Uninformed immigrants are at a huge disadvantage in court, in financial and legal matters, and also sometimes in life. Well, what can we do about it? I'll tell you what. We can train, teach, inspire, and empower immigrants to maximize their lives regardless of their immigration status. And that's exactly what we're going to do here. I am your immigration lawyer and host, Otis Landerholm, and this is the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. On this episode, we're going to see an episode of the Empowered Immigrant Live, which is a webcast that I do every Thursday on Facebook and on YouTube for the immigrant community. If you have any immigrant questions or immigration questions, feel free to join us on Thursday for the next one. And for now, enjoy the episode. Hello, hello, YouTube. Hello, Facebook. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Empowered Immigrant Live. I am so grateful to be with you here today. Um, Here at the Empowered Immigrant, we are here to train, to teach, to inspire, and to empower immigrants to make the most out of immigration law and to make the most out of their lives. All right, today our theme is waivers. Waivers, all right? What is a waiver? Do I need a waiver? What can be waived? How do we waive it? Okay, thank you. Thank you to everyone who asked questions. As always, we have 30 minutes to discuss this topic in English, and then we'll switch and we'll do this episode in Spanish. And so, you know, thank you for being with me here this beautiful Thursday afternoon. Uh, It's the 30th of September of 2021, everybody. Last day of September. Can you even believe it? All right. So, all right, we're talking about waivers today. Thank you so much for being with me. Again, I'm Otis Landerholm. I'm the founding attorney here at Landerholm Immigration APC, where we fight for your American dream. So before we get into waivers, we want to talk about the basics, okay? And so before we get into your questions, we want to talk about the basics also. So what is a waiver? What is, what is a waiver? So here's the deal. When you apply for a green card, if you have problems with your case, if you have a quote-unquote inadmissibility issue in your case, you might need to request a waiver. Hey, immigration, please waive, please forgive that problem that you have with my case. So common issues that require waivers. The, The most common ones are immigration fraud, which can include like a material misrepresentation, all right, to immigration about in your, in your past. Uh, another common issue is a criminal record, all right? Quote-unquote, crimes involving moral turpitude, CIMTs is uh, how we abbreviate that um, in immigration law lingo, but uh, certain criminal records can cause the need to file a waiver. Unlawful presence, which I can explain a little bit. Basically, if you've overstayed a visa or if you've entered without inspection, the time that you've been unlawfully present in the U.S., can cause inadmissibility issues and can uh, require a uh, waiver. Deportations in the past can also require um, or cause the need for a waiver and some others, okay? And so, for example, imagine, right, you're married to a U.S. citizen, your spouse wants you to be able to stay here, all right? 
Your spouse wants you to be able to stay here and to get a green card. You entered on a visa. But imagine you lied to get that visa. You said to immigration maybe that you were planning on studying in the U.S. Maybe it was a student visa you applied for. But then once you got here, you never once went to school, for example. Okay, so in that situation, you might need a waiver. Or imagine that you're married to a U.S. citizen. Your spouse wants to file for your green card, but you were convicted. All right, maybe you were convicted of some kind of misdemeanor offense, maybe theft, embezzlement, some other offense. All right, for example, in those situations, you might need a waiver. Or imagine that you're married to a U.S. citizen. Your spouse wants to file for your green card, but you entered without authorization. All right, and you have unlawful presence in the U.S., for example. In that situation, you might need a waiver also. All right. Or imagine you've been ordered deported in the past, or maybe you were physically deported. Now you're in your home country, for example. All those are situations where you might need a waiver in order to get your green card case resolved. All right? Immigration problems, all of these. Any time we're talking about a waiver, we're talking about how do you fix immigration problems? Okay? And to answer that question, like how do you fix immigration problems, the first step is we need to look at the problem carefully, all right? We need to look at really what was said, really what was submitted, really what was done. And we need to ask this question, is it fixable? Is it waivable? Because sometimes, yes, it is waivable. Sometimes, no. Sometimes you might not even need a waiver, all right? And so uh, we want to get to the bottom of that. The first step is like to accurately diagnose the immigration problem. That's why attorneys, right, we go to law school. We study the laws. We want to make sure that we're accurately diagnosing the issue. Just like you go to a doctor to accurately diagnose the sickness, right? We really want to be precise about what is the issue, what is the legal issue, and is that issue waivable? Because here's the thing, right? Some fraud is waivable. For example, if you lied to get a visa, like I mentioned, that, that is waivable in certain instances. However, other types of fraud is not. For example, if you lied saying you're a U.S. citizen, all right, that's a type of fraud, but it's not waivable. False claims to U.S. Citizens, citizenship cannot be waived in a marriage-based immigration case. Some crimes, talking about crimes also, right? Some crimes are waivable. For example, maybe a theft offense, misdemeanor, theft, or whatever, uh, can be waived. And some crimes are not. For example, drug offenses or controlled substance offenses can, are not waivable. Okay, with some very limited exceptions. I'm not going to go into that right now. All right. And, for example, some unlawful presence is waivable. For example, if you only entered once, all right, uh, even if you entered without permission, if you only entered once, um, you know, you can waive that. Versus other unlawful presence is not waivable. For example, if you had more than one year of unlawful presence, and then if you left, and then if you illegally re-entered, we call that the permanent bar. It's an unwaivable bar, all right? I say unwaivable. Technically, you could waive it if you're outside the U.S. for 10 years, which is horrible. But that's the way that type of situation works. So anyway, step one, remember, we want to look at the problem carefully. We want to diagnose it 
accurately so that we can give you quality advice to say, hey, should you even go down this road? All right, because if, you, if you're not able to waive it, then don't, don't do it, all right? It's just going to either put you at risk or cause additional problems or waste a lot of time and heartache, okay? All right, and so, um, all right, Robin, uh, Shresta, thank you so much for your comment, and Janatul, hello, all right, hello, and Jose Beltran, hello, thank you all so much for being with me. Everybody else who's watching right now, thank you so much, and welcome, all right, welcome. Thank you for joining me here right now. Um, feel free to, like, put your name in the chat, tell me hello if you're there, give me a thumbs up or whatever. Uh, I love you. I love you all. I really appreciate your, your, your being here with me, all right? It's a beautiful Thursday here in the Bay Area, and I'm happy to be doing this and happy to be on YouTube and Facebook with you right here, right now, all right? And so, okay, we've talked about waivers. The first step is to diagnose the issue. Then, if it is waivable, right, the next step is how? How do you waive it, okay? How do you waive that problem? Well, uh, the how of it often requires showing, quote-unquote, extreme hardship, which I'll talk about, and extreme hardship to who, right? To a, quote-unquote, qualifying relative. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, so who is a qualifying relative? It often will depend on the type of waiver we're submitting, but most of the time, it's got to be either a U.S. citizen or a green card holder, and it's got to be either your spouse or a parent. Some waivers allow hardship to children, too, all right? Some waivers even allow for hardship to yourself. But typically, it's got to be a U.S. citizen or a green card holder, and it's got to be a spouse or a parent. And then typically, you've got to show that that person would suffer how much harm, how much hardship, quote-unquote, extreme hardship, all right? Which, you know, anybody, if your spouse were deported, if your spouse is denied their green card, any, any real spouse would suffer some harm. But this idea of extreme hardship, it raises the burden, right? It raises the burden on how much stuff we've got to show in order to get that waiver approved, and so, you know, it's more than what an ordinary spouse or parent would suffer if their family member were denied their case. It's an extreme amount of harm. And so we want to look and document any medical issues your spouse or your parent is suffering from. We want to uh, highlight and point out any psychological or emotional issues. Have they ever been depressed? Have they ever suffered from trauma? Have they ever had any other issue that, you know, that would affect them? If your case were denied, we want to look at financial hardship that a person would go through, all right? If you're the primary breadwinner and your spouse, you know, is dependent on you financially, we want to highlight that. We want to highlight any safety concerns that you might have or that your spouse might have or your parent might have should you have to go back to your home country, especially if they were to go back with you. We want to think about any other argument, any other evidence possible to show that extreme level of hardship, okay? That's the way to do it. And that's the way, I mean, that's the way our office does it. And our office has a very high win rate with waivers. And so then what do you do? You put all of that evidence together and you put it together with the form. It's on the I-601, the I-601A, or if you're deport or waiving a deport order, it's on the I-212. 
uh, form. And then you put it all together, you file that form with all of that evidence to immigration. And then you wait, all right? Typically you wait 12 months to up to 18 months or so. Immigration's been horribly backlogged with these types of cases. And then you see if USCIS is willing to waive your inadmissibility issue. And that's it. All right, that's it. Yeah, there's more to it, you know. I mean, if it's if the case is denied, you can always refile it with more evidence. All right? But the goal is to get that waiver approved so then you can apply and get that green card so that you can be here in the US with your family. Okay? So that's it. That's all I'm going to cover here today. And now I want to get into your questions. And as always, thank you. Thank you so much for everyone who has asked your questions. If you're here with me right now, if you have a question, please submit it to me. All right? Please submit it to me here right now. I'll try to get to it. Um, for those who uh, were like, hey, I wanted to submit my question ahead of time, like other people have, uh, how do I do that? The way to do that is to register on our website for our newsletter. Okay, and so you could go to our website, landerhomeimmigration.com. You can submit your email because everybody that's on our email list, you're notified when we're going to have this type of uh, live session. And then, you know, you can respond via email and we can get your questions answered. Okay, but of course, you can ask us the question here right now, too. I just hope I can get to it. Um, and so let's answer your questions. Our first question comes from Julio. All right, so Julio. Thank you for your question. You say, I was convicted of a DUI. Do I need a waiver? My wife is a U.S. citizen. All right, Julio, thank you for this question. That's a great question. To answer it, the answer is typically not. All right, if it's a normal DUI, if it's a first-time DUI, you know, one DUI typically does not cause inadmissibility. All right, but... My best advice for you, Julio, is to have your immigration lawyer look carefully at the record. Sometimes DUIs can be considered, quote unquote, crimes involving moral turpitude, all right? And sometimes there might be other issues aside from the DUI. You know, maybe there's unlawful presence issues or some other issue that we really want to go into depth about just to make sure you're eligible. So yes, have your immigration lawyer do an in-depth review, but... I believe that if you just have one DUI, if that's the only issue, you will not need a waiver and you can apply, your wife can apply for you to get a green card. All right, so congrats on that. I hope that was helpful. If you don't have an immigration lawyer, Julio, then contact our office. We'd love to help you. We've got lots of clients that we have helped that are in that situation. Okay, so sweet. The next, uh, the next question comes from Simeon. All right, Simeon, or, or maybe Simon, all right? Uh, Simeon says, good afternoon, lawyer. My partner has TPS. We have a daughter who is 21, and I'm a U.S. citizen. We're not married. What options does she have to fix papers? All right, so you're a U.S. citizen. Your daughter is 21. You're not married. Okay, this is a great question. It's a great question. So I'd love to meet with you and your partner, uh, a lot of this question will depend, Simeon, a lot of it will depend on your partner's immigration history. For example, one question is, was she admitted to the United States? Did she come in with a visa when she entered the U.S.? Also, you mentioned she has TPS. Did she ever leave and re-enter with her TPS on advanced parole? Okay, so that's a question we would want to ask you. 
We'd want to ask, has she ever been arrested? Has she ever committed any fraud? For example, was anything incorrect or inaccurate on her TPS applications? Has she ever been in immigration court before? You know, we'd want to get to the bottom of that. At the end of the day, she probably will have options, all right? And so we'll want to, you know, to start with, we would want to meet with your wife and please come as well. And we'll want to ask her several questions to be really clear about what the best strategy is for her. But, in, but I do believe that whether it's through the daughter who's turning 21 or through you, if the two of you get married, you know, maybe there's a way to fix this for her. Okay, and often there is. And so, uh, so I, wanted to, I wanted to say that. So, all right, our next question. Our next question, we're moving right along. Um, our next question comes from Jorge. All right, Jorge, thank you for your question. You say, I entered with a visa in 1991. I have two children born here. The eldest turns 21 in April of 2022. All right, so next year, your oldest child will turn um, 21. Awesome. And you have a petition from your brother. Can you get a green card? All right, Jorge, that's a great question. Thank you. The answer is maybe. All right, it sounds like you might. Because you entered with a visa, you have a child who's turning 21. So if there's no other inadmissibility issues, all right, so we'll want to ask you about your record and your immigration history, things like that. But yeah, um, and the, the petition in the past from your brother, we want to take a look at that. Maybe you're eligible under something called 245I of the Immigration Nationality Act. If so, hey, hey that'd, be, that'd be really great. And so, um, you know, we'd want to take a careful look at it. And so, Jorge, yes, I do think that you will have a case, especially when your uh, U.S. citizen-born child turns 21 next April. But give us a call and let's discuss it, all right? Because I want to, you know, now's the time to, like, request all your records. Now's the time to really start talking about how do you prepare for that type of a process. And uh, so give us a call. Let's discuss it. Love to do it, Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Um, the next question comes from Sandra. All right, Sandra, thank you for your question. You say, have there been changes about how to fix papers for people with deportation orders? So that's a great question, Sandra. That's a great question. Thank you for asking it. Here's the deal. All right. Yes, there have been some changes this spring and this summer regarding various types of processes in immigration court, all right? There have been new cases decided for asylum, for example. There have been new cases decided for cancellation of removal. The Niz Chavez case was decided by the U.S. Supreme Court, by, you know, for example, and more. There's others, all right? And so, Sandra, if you have or if you know someone who has a deportation order, I highly recommend that we request their records and we look through them carefully, and let's see if there might be an option that we can either reopen the case or fix it or do something about it, all right? Nobody wants to just stay with a deportation order if there's an option. And yes, motions to reopen can reopen cases, all right? It's not easy to do, but it can. it is possible, okay? And there are other things that can be done also. So, um, so great. Uh, Please give us a call if we can help you. Um, if we can help you with that, all right. We're doing great, everybody. We're doing great. Okay. My next question. I've got just a couple more. Comes from Pablo. All right, Pablo. Thank you for your question. You ask, 
what's happening with the new law for U visa applicants. You say, I submitted my application early this year. Are we expecting our work permit soon, or how does that work? Pablo, awesome. That's a great question. Thank you for it. You're right. I, I actually did an Empowered Immigrant Live about two months ago about the new U visa process. So check that out. All right, look in our YouTube channel. Check, check it out. And USCIS is just now starting to issue these new U visa work permits. All right, but there's a huge backlog, huge, enormous backlog uh, of those U visa cases. All right, and so in in my estimate, people who just submitted their cases this year will likely need to wait quite a while. All right, I'm thinking probably sometime next year before they will even be reviewed for the bona fide determination work permit. Okay, and you can see that other video that I did that'll explain in more depth about that process. The best thing to do, in my opinion, if you've applied for a U visa, the best thing to do, in my opinion, is first to make sure your U visa was submitted properly. Okay, make sure it was submitted with the form I-765 for a work permit. You know, make sure that at least all, you know, the I-918 supplement B, the certification request, uh, those are the same thing, uh, was included in your U visa filing. Make sure it was done correctly. Also, you want to make sure you've done your biometrics already because they will not be able to issue the work card until you've done your biometrics. And if all of that has happened, then you should be in line to get your work card, your, your work authorization document. Okay? If you have any questions about U visas or your process, please give us a call. We, we live and breathe in U visas all day long. All right? We'd love to look at that with you. All right, we've got a couple of other questions that have come in right here as I'm talking, and so thank you so much. All right, so uh, uh, one is from Janatul. All right, Janatul, you ask, my asylum case is pending. I applied to renew my work permit. Can I continue working, or do I need to wait until I get my physical card? All right, thank you, Janatul, for your question. Thank you. Here's the deal. When you have an asylum uh, case that's pending, and when you apply to renew your work permit, they will send you receipt notices, all right? Read the language on your receipt notice and read it carefully. If you have questions about it, please feel free to contact my, my office. But here's the thing. The receipt notice automatically extends the validity of your work card for an additional 180 days, okay? And so that gives you at least a little bit more time. But sometimes immigration takes even longer than that. And that can be a really frustrating time. And so, you know, um, the, the, the best advice is to submit your work permit as soon as possible. Okay? As soon as you're eligible to submit it. So get started with that process six months before the work card is going to expire. All right, so that way you minimize the time that you might be, um, yeah, that you, that you might be uh, uh, out of work card status, okay? And so, um, all right, so Janatul, thank you for that question. I hope that was helpful. Robin Shretza, thank you. Uh, you're welcome for things you say. Thanks for everything you guys do. You're very welcome. And I see you have a question. You say, for someone who left the U.S. after fraud 
and was denied for a green card, can he apply for a green card and a waiver after 10 years again? And the waiver through the citizen daughter. Okay, interesting. Let me explain it like this, all right? And thank you for asking that question. If you're denied through fraud, in order to waive it, all right, you have to show hardship not to a daughter. You have to show hardship to either a spouse or a parent, spouse or parent, all right? And they've got to be a U.S. citizen or a green card holder. And they've got to show they've got extreme hardship, all right? Daughters don't count. Children don't count. Why don't they count? I, I, don't, I wish I could tell you. It's the way Congress wrote the 212I waiver. That's the fraud waiver, okay? So it can be really unfortunate. In some instances, you're stuck with a waiver and you need a spouse who's a U.S. citizen or a parent who's a U.S. citizen or green card holder in order to get that waiver approved. And so anyway, I hope that was helpful. If you have questions, please feel free to contact our office. We'd love to go through that with you. All right. Okay. Jose, Jose, you also add, oh, you say, wow, thanks for the shout out. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you. All right. And you say, hey, I have a criminal record here. I was living in the U.S. since I was four years old. I have children who are U.S. citizens, wife who's a victim of crime in the U.S., got that U visa going. What should I expect? Oh, man, what a great question. What a great question. Thank you. The great thing is, the great thing is, is you've got a U visa going. U visas are wonderful because they can waive all kinds of things. All right. And so, uh, so good job on that. The only challenge with U visas is they take forever. Okay. But as long as it was properly filed, which I believe it, yes, it was properly filed, then you should be in line for a quote unquote bona fide determination work card. And that should be the next step. All right. And so, uh, so that's, that's the way that works. Thank you so much um, for uh, being with me here today. All right. Uh, the next question that I have comes from Palm. I think I got your name right. Palm Angels, it looks like. You say, lawyer, can you help if I will apply for asylum through the southern border, Tijuana or San Isidro? Okay, that's a tough one. All right. That's a tough one. Um, it is not easy to request asylum at the southern border right now, all right? And so don't just, I don't want to just say yes or no, all right? I don't want to just say yes or no here on YouTube or on Facebook Live. If you're listening to me, uh, whether you're this individual or not, if you're listening to me and you're currently outside the U.S. and you're thinking of applying for asylum when you enter the U.S., you know, I'd love to at least do a consultation with you, and I'd love to explain the risks involved and explain what you really would be looking at and what that process is like, because it is not a fun process to go through. Okay? And so, everybody, thank you so much. That is it. All right? That is it. Um, that's all I have time for here right now. And so, if I didn't get to your question... Uh, then please still ask it, and I will answer it, okay? And so uh, the, the way to listen to it uh, is to please subscribe to our channel here in YouTube, click the notifications bell, and you'll get the additional legal updates and news, and you know, you'll be informed as we post additional uh, uh, stuff on YouTube. And then if you have an immigration case, I'd love it if you give us a call. We are here to help. Um, and so, yeah, 
that's that's it. So thank you all so much for joining me today. Again, I am Otis Landerholm. I'm the founding attorney here at Landerholm Immigration APC, where we fight for your American dream. Enjoy the rest of this beautiful Thursday afternoon, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Empowered Immigrant Live. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. If you like what you heard, and if you want to learn more, please go to landerholmimmigration.com forward slash podcast.